teams sit right on the baseline. The big fella from New Zealand. When we cut him off baseline, he started walking in there. Welcome on into the Baseline Podcast. Another great guest today. Uh, we have Drake Dino, one of the goats of NBA Twitter uh, and creator of the Twitter account Snell Season. Uh, how are you going today, man? Pretty well after last night. I mean, uh, that was. I wasn't sure if I was going to make it through the game. I didn't know if my heart was going to make it through the game, but uh, but I'm here and we survived and the Bucks moved on. So I'm feeling pretty good today. Yeah, man. <clears throat> Honestly, like. There's something about the NBA playoffs that, I mean, I love the regular season. Don't get me wrong. I love, you know, I love free agency, the draft. I love it all. But there's something about the NBA playoffs, which it just seems like every year there's a bunch of storylines. There's dudes, you know, getting knocked out in the first round. There's, even if we hate them, there's injuries, you know, and right. Like I, I wasn't expecting the Bucks to get up. You know, usually it's the it's the team that has in a lot of instances. Usually it's the team that has the best player. Um, and Kevin Durant, um, obviously played out of his mind. But for all the shit that the Bucks got on Twitter, I mean, they, <laughs> they played a fucking great series. And yeah. and I feel at the end of the day, they were the deserving series winner. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, even throughout the series, going down to nothing, that was obviously. I think there was a stat where it was like. 93% of teams in, in history have, have won once the series, once they've gone up 2-0. So to, uh, to do that in and of itself is, is huge. Then to have that collapse in game five or game six, excuse me, um, is just, is, is just pretty amazing. And then even in game seven, you know, those are the type of games since I've been a Bucks fan for a while, I've seen a lot of games like that. And it, it seems almost, 90, 99% of the time, those are the kind of games that the Bucks lose. Um, So to be able, you know, to be able to stick it out and grind it out and get a win after that, especially with KD playing the way he's been playing and, you know, um, hitting those insane shots and then the offense not being able to score in overtime for like the first three minutes and then come out on top. It's, uh, yeah, it, it's pretty amazing. And, and you know, there are a lot of people that talk about the injuries that the Nets have. And, of course, that's huge. I mean, not having the big three in, in any of those games altogether. But, I mean, you still have KD. You had KD for all seven. And on top of KD, you had Kyrie for two or three of those games. And you had Harden for the rest of them. So, I mean, um, it's still KD playing with, with Harden, a top 10 player in the league with Kyrie a top 15, arguably top 10 player in the league. So they're still a great team and they deserve the credit. But um, I, I think, you know, just the, the Bucks were able to squeak by and it, it was, it was insane. Yeah, man, it, it was. And, and I, I think that, and I'm, I, I really don't get into it anymore, but I think that sometimes the, the narratives that are created around teams winning or losing, like I want, like I'm a, a big, I'm not a Kevin Durant guy, but I'm a supporter of, of his just because of the amazing scorer that he is. Um, right. So to see people coming out and saying he couldn't get this team to the finals, and it's like, what, dude? He had right. like, 50, he had the most points ever in a game seven. Um, he had the other crazy game, you know. Like this is one of the greatest scorers that 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 the league has ever seen. Um, yet we have these, and you know that if if the, the Nets had come out on top, that it's Giannis that gets killed. And it's right. like KD's foot, the length of KD's foot basically decided who was going to get killed on Twitter for the next month. And and like, I just don't, I just don't agree with it, man. I, right. I, I'm a fan of, of basketball and, and, and I just don't, I don't agree with um, even the, even the shit that, that Giannis was getting. He's a guy that's 26, you know, possibly one of the hardest workers in the nba i mean we we all know you can't be in the nba without being an insanely hard worker but there's a guy who came from nothing and just works insanely hard on his craft and you know what like he actually changed his shot profile significantly from earlier on in the season i sorry earlier on in the series um Mm -hmm. to the rack more um played some amazing defense as always and he never gets enough credit for the amazing plays he makes off the bounce you know that you see 
amazing passes to the corner where he's getting his, his shooters open. Um, and he made some massive, some massive plays down the down the stretch. Um, what I what I liked also was um, that guys like Middleton and Holiday that they didn't just stop shooting. Like Holiday made a couple of massive shots at the end of the game. Um, mm, huge. And the, the fadeaway that Middleton made um, was that I think was an was that no tee or was that in regulation? I'm- yeah, that that he had like two of those. I think one of those was yeah. in the fourth quarter, but I, I think the one you're referencing was in in overtime. Yeah, that put us ahead. Yeah. So like you like there's the reason that you you know that you paid a guy like Middleton and you drafted a, a guy like Drew is um yeah the the Bucks might not have had as much bench depth but at the end of the day um Drew was able to play some good defense on on KD at the on the shot and obviously KD didn't have the legs on the shot at the end of OT um and then Middleton and Drew both made big shots in the stretch like what what else can you ask from for guys that struggle at the start of the game exactly yeah I. I, I was a bit critical of Drew early in the game just because, yeah. you know, he, he was not like himself. I think at one point he was like two for 17 from the field. Yeah. Um, so obviously that that was warranted. But then I, I tweeted something last night after the game was over. Um, as critical as people were, as critical as I was, um, all that at the end of the day, it really doesn't matter because he hit the shots when they mattered. Um, you know, without him, I, I certainly don't think the Bucks would have won that game seven. He had those huge shots and even his defense on KD on that last shot to try and tie it in overtime was just incredible. So um, yeah, that, that seems, that's the one kind of downside um, to NBA Twitter. Like you mentioned, um, you know, guys like Giannis, if he would have lost that game, if they would have lost that series, he would have gotten a ton of shit, even though he was, you know, besides KD, he was the best player in that series. Um, so I, I think that's, that's the one unfortunate thing about NBA Twitter is, you know, it's whoever I've joked about it before and I've seen other people joke about it before, but it's really like whoever had, um, the best, most recent playoff game is the best player in the world. That's kind of how it works. You know, Giannis was, was bad in one game and, you know, suddenly he's not a top 10 player anymore and, you know, um, KD has that incredible game and, you know, now he's up there with LeBron and he's, he's up there with Jordan. So it's, you know, I, I think people suffer from a little bit of recency bias on Twitter, which I understand. Um, but yeah, I, if, you know, if Giannis would have lost that series, he would have taken a lot of grief, um, even though he was kind of doing everything he possibly could have. I, I don't know. I don't know what else he could have done. Um, but yeah, that's, that's, as much as I love talking sports on Twitter, that's that's the one downside. Yeah, man, I agree. Last night, last night, um, and I shouldn't even bring up Facebook because Facebook is like just another lower <laughs> than Twitter. But I'm part of a small Facebook group in New Zealand, and someone said, um, and if he's listening to this, um, no offense personally, but um, he said, "Oh, Katie's improved so much. Do you think he's taking PEDs?" And I was just like, <laughs> "What are we talking about here?" Like. And I was just like, well, hold on. Let's just go back. In the 2017 finals, he averaged like 35 and 9 with five assists on even better efficiency than he had in this series. And he had lower usage. Like his usage right. in the series was 35%, obviously, because he had some teammates out. He he had Clay, uh, Dre, and Steph. Like this isn't a guy that, this isn't his first massive playoffs. He's been doing this shit for 10 years. It's like. Right. It is easy to get stuck in the moment, and and I, I still think that Katie deserves a lot of that credit. But that recency bias on Twitter, it's like, um, yeah, it's a bit, it's a, it's a bit difficult, man. Um, yeah, I, I don't, I, I don't want to dwell on it too much, but I think, um, I think it's cool though to see that. I almost feel like the last couple of years on NBA Twitter, there's almost like an opposite side where people are trying to celebrate, like Devin Booker, for example. You know, mm-hmm. he's a guy who. Um, was part of the shitty Suns franchise for a while. Like last year was the first year that they were competent, and I think this is the sixth year in the league. You know, this first four years in the league, they were total dog shit. They wasted all their cap space. They wasted all their draft picks. Right, like they were winning like sixteen games. But he's been celebrated as like, hey, he's always been this guy. He's always been able to score like this. But here's right. the first time he's actually had this team around him. So I actually feel like we 
we are still also seeing some real um some really strong support for the like you know the guys that are between the 10th and 30th best player in the league and being like you know look give this guy's credit give Joel Embiid his credit I think that's really good yeah yeah I I agree um there there are those downsides of NBA Twitter as we've talked about but then there are the you know there there are the positives like you were talking about I think it's great to see a guy like um, Booker get his, you know, his recognition, especially after his game today. I, I saw a lot of praise on the timeline, which is, which is fantastic because he deserves it. He finally has a team um, that that's kind of built around him. And I think it's kind of built perfectly around him, um, you know, and, and just as a Bucks fan, we've seen a lot of that same kind of thing with Chris Middleton. Um, you know, we, we've been talking about as Bucks fans, how he's kind of underrated for, for quite a while now, but, you know, he finally got that all-star appearance. Um, he, not this year, but, but, but recently he got that all-star appearance and, and people are starting to see, um, like in that heat series, for example, he was exceptional in that heat series. And, uh, it's nice to see these guys finally get their credit. Um, and, and NBA Twitter, I think has a big part of that, um, just there's there's so much discussion there's so many ways to get connected as fans and uh yeah yeah it's really nice but but Devin Booker just talking about him for a second he he's been unbelievable I can't I can't believe people have been calling him you know saying he puts up empty stats for all these years when when his teams have just been terrible I mean you can only do so much as a single guy so um you know now that he finally has a, a really solid roster around him it just shows how uh, how lethal he can be. So it's great. Yeah. I love seeing these guys who have kind of um, been flying under the radar for a while to finally get their credit. I, I think it's, it's fantastic. Yeah. It's, uh, it's well-deserved, especially for uh, Booker. Yeah. Agreed, man. T- touching a bit more on the, on the, the, the Bucks roster. Um, obviously there was a trade that didn't go ahead in the off season and then a right. trade that did. Um and like the person that that messed up that trade, like um, probably lucky that not lucky, or maybe just luck. Like they're probably fortunate that the Bucks have made the conference finals now because you know if you if and for people listening in that didn't know, um, the Bucks tried making a trade uh, for Bogdan Bogdanovich. Um, was it Bogdan? Yeah, not Bogdan. Yeah. yeah, Bogdan, Bogdan um, from the Kings fucked it up under some salary rule, um, but obviously ended up getting Drew anyway. Now, the Bucks team doesn't have a lot of depth, and I think prior to the season, there was probably some national riders, which I think fair, it was fair, um, that they didn't have enough depth. I've actually liked, even though he hasn't played, he didn't play a massive amount in the postseason. Um, Bobby Portis was actually a nice pickup. He's been so good. Yeah, a little bit of Bryn Forbes. Um, so I, I've... I've actually loved the way that, that they've gone all in around Giannis and the Drew pickup. It helped, definitely helped the de- the defense. And yeah, he's it's going to be tough. Um, and we saw yesterday, you know, that he's not as massive a massive threat on offense. But I think what he brings with his toughness, you know, finishing at the rim, sending guys up, I still think that he was a massive addition. Um, how is the fan base, um, the Bucks fan base sort of been around these moves because you're seeing a team which probably hasn't gone all in mm-hmm. like it, it's probably what been like since the early 2000s you know maybe the Ray Allen days that this team hasn't gone all in all in like giving right. up all their assets spending all their money going deep in the luxury tax for a long time yeah that that's a good question um I you know Bucks Twitter seems to be split on a lot of things um, as I'm sure most uh most fan bases are um so there's there are kind of there are always two camps to every argument. You know, there are people that wanted Chris Middleton traded um, mm-hmm. during this season because he, you know, he did have that slump for a while where he was just not shooting well. He just didn't look like himself. Um, you know, there's a camp that's still upset that the Bucks didn't go over tax to keep uh, Brogdon, which. Yeah is is something that I'm not, I'm not too mad about because in my personal opinion he he didn't really want to be here he he needed a different role he he didn't like it in Milwaukee very much um so bucks twitter as a whole is very split but mm. I, I would say if 
in general, I, I think that more of the criticism comes down to coaching rather than the front office and the moves that were made. Um, I think Buck's Twitter, myself included, is is pretty happy with the roster that was constructed. I think that talent-wise, um, especially when you take in consideration the injuries that have you know occurred in the playoffs, I think talent-wise, this team is good enough to get it done. Um, so I, I think as a whole, Buck's Twitter is very um, happy with the moves. I, I would say that. Like I said, there's a lot of criticism and a lot of people aren't very happy with the coaching, but that's a different story. Um, but when you're t- talking about, you know, the Bogdanovich kind of whole um, mess, the thing that's kind of interesting about that is, you know, I believe in the original deal, the original deal would have sent a pick or two and Dante and DJ Wilson. Um, and what makes that interesting is DJ Wilson and the other DJ Augustine um, were packaged together and that got us PJ Tucker. So, you know, if, if we had Bogdanovich, I don't know if we would have Tucker and this might be, you know, this might be a little bit of a biased take um, and hindsight is always 50, 50, but um, Tucker was enormous in that series guarding Kevin Durant and I, I'm just not sure. Yes, Bogey obviously would have brought a, a lot more shooting-wise and a lot more on the offensive end. But, you know, if we had him, I don't know if we had P.J. Tucker. And I, I think P.J. Tucker was an X factor in this series. Um, and I, I, I think that was a huge acquisition. Um, I mean, when you think about it, we only had to give up D.J. Augustine, who was a terrible contract. DJ Wilson, who didn't play, and we moved back in the draft like six picks or something like that. Um, so yeah, it's 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 crazy how these things happen. You know, Bucks fans were super mad that that trade didn't go through for good reason. Um, but looking back at it now, you know that PJ Tucker was huge, and I don't know if we would have PJ Tucker if that trade went through. So. Um, it's, it's very interesting. I think, you know, stuff like that happens in the NBA a lot. And, um, there are some crazy storylines. Um, so yeah, it's, it's been a, it's been a wild year for Bucks fans and Bucks Twitter. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, man. And it's funny. Cause like my, my one obviously is mainly Blazers Twitter. And, um, right. when you, I had to laugh when you said that Bucks Twitter is mainly split because <laughs> Blazers Twitter is like. At the moment, it's mainly like pro Terry Stotts, and obviously he's been fired, so right. you know, it happened to those people, and then pro Neil O'Shea, and it's just like it's it's always it goes back to like the politics. It's like people want to force you to actually pick a side. Right, and, uh, there's a guy that I've known and got a little bit um, closer with the last little while. Shout out Brandon Goldner is, and Brandon, I got him in the pot, and I was like, dude, the reason I like you is because um you you formed a discussion where at where you've been like hey you can you know you can criticize the coach but then also still criticize the moves that the gm makes and i i think that's probably where um twitter itself is like you either have to hate the coach or you, you know what i mean you actually have to be right. hard out on one side or hard out on the other right and if you can't, like then you're not getting you know you're not blocking all these other people when you're getting into wars and you know um you're people are getting ratioed and um even though i laugh about it it, it can get a little bit toxic um but yeah it, i think um that yeah the the, the way that the, the bucks have and and i think she forgot about tucker like he's a guy that i'd love to get the blazers to sign but i have a feeling that the bucks you know inheriting his bird rights pro- they're probably going to bring him back next year and i think that kevin durant's always going to have big series but if you're able to limit him in one game, like the game that I think he went like eight for 20 something or nine for 20 yeah. something. And yeah, Tucker was like fouling him a lot, but it doesn't like, that doesn't actually matter. Like what, what matters is you, you limit him and you, you keep him and have him, um, you keep him to a small amount of points and you win the game and the playoffs when the Warriors played the Clippers and it was the Clippers two years ago when they still had Gallinari and that sort of stuff, they put, um, Patrick Beverly on Durant 
and people were like, what the hell are you doing? But <laughs> they won the game and it was like a 25 point deficit. And he, he got in, he got in Durant's head by fouling him, you know, drawing offensive fouls. Maybe there's a little bit of flopping in there, but if you can limit one of the greatest scorers to ever have ever played the game to that, to a small point total, I mean, you're not going to limit him to 20 points or 15 points every game, right. but I mean, You've got a guy on a seven million dollar contract who's you know thirty five or thirty six, um, and he's able to guard um, basically the world's best. You know, I still think LeBron's the world's best player, but Kevin Durant I think is a clear number two. You're able to guard the best scorer in the game with a guy like that. Like that's a great move. I mean, DJ Augustine wasn't wasn't moving the needle. So that I think the, the the front office does deserve some credit, and I don't know a huge amount about. Um, I haven't watched the Bucks enough to judge Mike Mike Budenholzer, but at the end of the day, um, there's a lot of fan bases. I talk a lot about this. There's a lot of fan bases like Sacramento Kings, for example, small market. You know, they haven't made the playoffs in 15 years, and and I think that yeah, you should want better for your team. You know, you should want you know to pair your superstar with amazing players. Like I want the same for Damian Lillard. Right. But I think it's important for anybody that's critical of their team to be like chip we're in the conference finals. Like this is, you know, this is huge. We, and we're also in the conference finals in a year where there's um, no LeBron, no KD, no Steph uh, in the conference finals now. And I, there's like, there's not a super team there that's going to go and go four one or sweep in the finals. Like if you're, if you're in the conference finals now with the injuries in that, I think that everyone, I'm, I'm not certain about the Hawks, but I think all the other teams have a really strong chance of winning a chip. So it's like, hey, I think, like, give all these teams a credit. Give the GM and the coaches some credit because um, you have a legitimate chance now of winning the title. Right. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's definitely. I think, you know, I, I gave um, as critical as I am of Bud um, and have been for a little bit now, uh, I, I gave him credit in you know, that heat series. I, I think that he, he coached that from my perspective, I, I think he coached that really well. Um, and, and, you know, I, I think there were a couple times, especially in that game five loss um, where I, I don't, you know, I, I don't think the coaching was up to par. And I think that had a, a big, um, you know, a, a big reason why we lost that game. Um, the offense just gets really stagnant. But that being said, you know, um, I, I think he coached that game seven really well. And, and he played the the guys big minutes when they needed to play big minutes. Um, be, so it's, yeah, it's, you know, it's easy to single one person out for, all, you know, all the problems. And, you know, if the Bucks would have lost that series, I think a lot of people would have um, put, you know, 90% on the blame, you know, on Bud. And, you know, I, I, I think he would have deserved a good portion of the blame. But that being said, you know, if Drew didn't hit those big shots, if Chris didn't hit those big shots, you know, who, who was really out there helping Giannis? Um, so, you know, when, when you're two, number two and three guys are shooting like seven for 30 combined or whatever it was at one point, you know, there, there's not, there's not a whole lot that coaching can do to change that. Um, so yeah, I, I do. I think it's, I think it's important to give, you know, the coaches and, and GM some credit because they're, they're easy targets to go after when your team isn't, you know, playing up to par or playing how you want them to be playing. Um, so yeah, I, I think it's, you know, it, it's, it's important to stay critical while also being able to, you know, say, Hey, I, I haven't been a fan of what this coach has done in the past, but you know, they really coached a good game seven and, you know, they helped us get where we are right now. So that balance of being able to give credit when credit's due and also being able to say, Hey, you know, maybe we, we need to go a different direction in the off season. I, I think that um, it's important to be able to, you know, look at it from both sides and not just get blinded by, you know, what you want to see happen. Yeah. Agreed, man. That's a, that's a great point. And, and sometimes, you know, like you have a great team and um, you know, like when the Cavs won the title in 2015, 2016, like um, they sacked their coach halfway through the season, brought in Tyron Lou and look, maybe they win the title if they keep the previous coach. I think it might've been David Blatt, 
maybe they maybe they win the title if they keep the previous coach but sometimes um moves need to be made to to bring a new dude in and be that trades or, or be that coaching um so yeah it's exciting uh exciting for bucks fans and um it's going to be a great matchup we're gonna jump just jump over a little bit um so snell season is a cool like a pretty cool like um fan account on twitter and like there's a few um yeah fan accounts out there like i'm going to try and get the the aaron baines one the, the yeah. dude, dude or chick that runs that on this podcast because like <laughs> i think that if you don't understand nba twitter like i'm hoping that i've converted a few more people in new zealand over the nba twitter like if you don't understand it that the fan accounts don't really make sense but right it's just, it's just cool that um we have niche accounts around teams and like they this is what adds to what makes the nba such an amazing product and makes such the nba like like in my eyes it's like the best sport in the world and, and possibly the greatest league in the world you know like these yeah. um yeah the support for for role players and like the hardcore support for teams and um yeah just talk to me a little bit about about your account and then also your your love for the team and and all that kind of stuff yeah, so the the support on the account ha- has been insane. Um, it's you know it's it's incredible that I can I can live tweet you know live tweet the game last night and tweet my thoughts and I can have tons of interactions and people responding. You know it it really it it really feels like you're watching a game with friends and I I think that's one great thing about Twitter. Um, so yeah, the the support on this account I I never thought it would kind of uh, grow the way it has. Um, one thing that, that it's a little frustrating about having an account like this is, you know, people make their jokes about season accounts, SZN accounts and IC accounts and all these, you know, these handles that you see on NBA Twitter. Um, and you know, there's the, the, the connotation that, any account like this is run by, you know, a 14 year old high school, <laughs> you know, yeah. and, and, yeah. and, and, and part of that I totally get because I do see those accounts. I, I do run across those accounts. Um, I, I get it. There are those accounts that just, you know, they come on to troll and yeah, they watch basketball, but you know, they're, they're just kind of on there to have fun and, and, and poke fun at people. And, um, so sometimes I think people come across my account and they think that it's, you know, it's something like that. Um, when in reality, yeah, it is a funny account. I tweet funny stuff about Tony Snell. I, I tweet memes about the teams. Um, but I, at the end of the day, I really am just a basketball fan. And I, and I, try to hold myself to a standard that's, you know, a, a little higher than the stereotypical, you know, 15 year old NBA Twitter type of uh, type of person. So the one thing that's frustrating is people just kind of writing off the account like that, you know, part of me wishes I had more of a, um, a professional basketball account, if I should say that. Um, but, you know, at the end of the day, I think if people have been following me for long enough, um, they understand that I try to mix in that, you know, those Tony Snell memes and those Bucks memes with actual kind of basketball conversation. Um, and, you know, going on podcasts like this, it, it really helps. And I had a podcast that was on Locker Room for a while with a, another Bucks Twitter account. Um, and, 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 and doing stuff like that really helps. Um, but kind of just going back to the account. Yeah. The, the love and the support has been kind of crazy. Um, it's, you know, and, and the other really cool thing about Twitter and about having an account like this is, you know, on Valentine's day of this year, I, I tweet out a, a funny Tony Snell meme, you know, like yeah. some roses are red, violets are blue poem that incorporates Tony Snell or, <laughs> you know, so it's just something little like that. And, Tony Snell's um, business manager who had followed me on Twitter, who I, I didn't even know about, you know, yeah. he reaches out and he, he DMs me and says, Hey, I passed along your meme to Tony and Ashley, who's his wife. Um, yeah. And they loved it and they want to send you a little something. Um, uh, so, you know, I, I got in contact with him and I got past, uh, I have a Tony Snell signed Hawks Jersey now that they sent me. Um, and, you know, and she made a Twitter account and she followed me and she DMs me from time to time. And, you know, um, it's, 
she has a YouTube channel where she vlogs and she came to me and said, Hey, do you want to, um, ask your followers if they have any questions for Tony, I'm going to do a Q and a, um, so I, I, I got to get input from the community and I got to pass along some questions and, you know, then there was a, a Tony Snell Q and a with my questions. And, um, yeah. so it's, it's, it's really cool to, to see yeah. that that kind of stuff can happen. I think social media is a big part of that. So, you know, there, there are some downsides, like I talked about, you know, not, you know, I, I people passing me off as just kind of a joke and, you know, not really a basketball fan. And, you know, I, I deal with that. It's, it's not a big deal by any means. And, you know, you run across those troll accounts that, you, you know, um, but at the end of the day, that's, that's just a tiny part of it. And being able to interact with people and live tweet during games and do podcasts like this and even get in contact with players and teams, it's, it's fantastic. And it's just one of the great things about Twitter and, uh, if I, I never would have, you know, if you told me when I started this account that I would have 18,000 followers okay. and I'd be going on podcasts and it, it, it's just, you know, I, I wouldn't have believed it. So it's just, uh, it's, it's just a great, it's just a great side of Twitter and in Buck's Twitter specifically, I, I've met some really great people. So it's, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. That's cool, man. And yeah, I think like you are, it, it is what you make of it, you know, like, um, and it is tough with some of those th- those accounts like and there's some absolute trash ones out there and obviously aggregators make things tough but like you've made like you've made a cool niche and inbox twitter and um you know you the end of the day like sometimes the media like with the way that 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 we interact with people is we don't actually realize that um we're helping a player's market you know be it like like my thing is i do a lot of damien little tweets and um like I think some of those people don't realize that like we we NBA Twitter is a massive part of um, the success of free agency in the draft. Like for sure, it's it, it's huge. Like like NBA Twitter is. I talked to I had NBA Bo uh, Bo Estes who does the NBA top ten highlights on on the pod, and we we talked about his countdown and like how um, NBA Reddit basically were one of the first people to like make his stuff go viral and it's like that this helps the nba commercially like without people and a lot of it is obviously people doing this stuff for free with their with their twitter accounts like it helps these players and it getting those rewards where you get you know people have got in touch like as you say tony snell and his wife and um and business manager and stuff like these are rewards for for you know putting in a lot of um hours to to help grow the team and, and grow the follower base and it's also cool when the small markets get their love like right when i mean i know the new york knicks could be trash for another 20 years but they will they'll be one of the biggest markets for sports ever and you just know that things are a lot easier for those big markets with the way that they operate um you know they they have three or four times the amount of guys that are riding on their beat creating content um you know that the team probably has more funds in terms of um the way that they can do their own media like the small yep. markets need love so it's cool like it's cool that you've been able to um you know have those experiences and um and yeah be part of something bigger um we'll touch a little bit on tony snell himself um having one of the greatest um low volume shooting seasons of all time yeah i uh, I actually wrote uh, on the, the Blazers uh, blog that I run, um, I actually wrote about him as a potential um, free agent uh, signing uh, for the Blazers as like a, you know, backup three and D type dude. Um, right. Tell us a bit about Tony's season. It was like 55, 50, was it 100? He didn't miss a free throw all season. Yeah, he, he was, he had a 50, 50, 100 season. Um, <laughs> That's crazy. It's just absurd. Um yeah. You know, people try and discredit it and say, well, he only shot, I don't know how many threes he took. He, you know, he only shot 50 threes or he only shot this, that, and other thing, um, which I get. I mean, you know, he's not shooting as much as KD. He's not shooting as much as Dame. But, you know, at the end of the day, he's still an NBA player. He's going up against NBA caliber defenses. Um, so to be able to put on a season like that is pretty incredible um and as for the the free throw shooting you know he he doesn't drive much so he doesn't get many um free throw opportunities but 
he hasn't missed a free throw in I think two seasons, three seasons. He's like 46 for 46 for his last 46 free throws. Um, so yeah, as much as people try and discredit it, I get it. It's, you know, it's, it's not the same as if Dame put up a a 50, 50, 100 season by any means, but he's not that kind of player and people don't expect that from a role player. You know, he's not taking 20 shots a game. He's taking five, maybe six on, on a good day. So, um, it's, it's still really impressive. And I think the, the one good thing about it, um, is, you know, one thing that's fun, um, as much as it sucked when he got traded from the Bucks, um, watching his journey to the Pistons and watching kind of Pistons fans embrace him, you know, there he had a 24 point game where he was like seven for seven from the field and six for six from three. Um, so just seeing these new fan bases, um, really kind of, uh, you know, respect him. And, you know, he, he's a meme until he plays for your team. And then you kind of realize, you know, you know, this guy's not too bad. This guy's a, a very yeah. solid role player. Um, yeah. So it's, that that's one thing as, as much as it sucked him getting traded, you know, watching him bounce from these teams and, and watching their fan bases kind of um, join in on the, the fun and, and really kind of, um, like him as a player and as a teammate, I think, uh, I think it's great. And, um, you know, after this season, I think people are going to sort of realize, you know, how he can impact a team as a role player. So I wouldn't be surprised if, um, you know, more teams go after him. And I, I think the Blazers are a really fun fit. Um, if I had to choose a team in the West to be a fan of, I think I would be a Blazers fan. I just really like Dame. Um, yeah. I, you know, I, I really like the guys that you guys have on the roster. Um, I, I feel this, a similar way about the Kings. I, I kind of like the Kings. Um, yeah. But yeah, I'm 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 a I'm kind of a Portland fan. They're they're kind of my team in the West. So it would be it, yeah, it would be really neat to see him go there. And I think you know. Every single team, especially a team like the Blazers, can use a three and D guy. You know, um, that's kind of that that's kind of something every team can utilize. So it'll it'll be an interesting uh, off season. I know that Hawks fans really kind of want to keep him there and re-sign him, but um, who knows where he ends up? It's it's going to be fun. Yeah, agreed, man. And and I think that um, like there's like you said, there's always a market for those three and D players. Um, and like, I didn't even realize when I did a little bit of research for the article, like um, he's got like a six eleven wingspan. Like mm-hmm. you, there's, there's not a lot of guys out there um, that can knock down threes and like competently guard their position that, that are going to be right. on the cheap. And like, if you look down the cap sheet for next year, for a lot of teams, like the 2020 or the 2021 off season, like, you know, for 2022 players was going to be, full of all these amazing free agents and there was all this cap room <clears throat> it's not like that now like very few teams have cap room so right you know, if you have like so the blazers have i think they've got 5.5 million with the um it's probably going to be i think the tax payer mid-level so it's like you know the mid-level exception which isn't very high so you you know there's when you're looking at guys you can say hey you might get a three-year 15 million dollar deal um when you start going into the weeds a little bit more and diving a bit deeper, um, the moves that you make, and we go back to like a PJ Tucker move, the moves at least, if you want to win a championship, make the conference finals, etc. the type of moves you need to make are the ones on the margins where you can get like a player like Tony Snell who can right. you know, play between 12 and 20 minutes a night in the regular season, then play spot minutes on the playoffs. Like every team can't go out, and this is where Blazers Twitter now is I'm not doing my head in. It's just that like, it seems like a lot of fans are just like, nah, has to be a trade for a max player or else don't even, don't even talk to me about articles with guys on the minimum. It's like, look, even if we made that trade tomorrow and the one that they, the guys they want are um, Chris Middleton or uh, Tobias Harris. uh, I'm pretty sure like that neither of those are going to happen. Like if anything, it would be someone like Ben Simmons, but even if that did happen, you still have to go and fill your roster out with guys on the veterans minimum anyway. You don't have any money. Right. So it's like the fan base are like, oh, you know, we, we have to get all these max guys. And it's like, okay, but like, 
you still have to fill the roster out with other dudes. So it's like, it's also trying to educate people and say, Hey, yeah, um, we, I look, I do want to see, um, Dame have a second all NBA guy or even like a third, a third wheel, you know, but you, you, you have to have 14 players on your roster. Um, when you come into the season, um, and then when you're capped out, like you can't, there's, there's no other ways for you to get good. So the, you have exactly. the minimum and you have the mid, you have the mini mid level, like that's all you have. Um, and outside of that, you'll have like bird rights for Norman, for Norman Powell. And that's it. And sometimes it's, it's tough for, for fans to admit that like, look, the team where they are at the moment, um, we had to give Damien a little of the super max or else the, the guy's going to go and leave. Um, right. so yeah, it's like, it's, it'd be cool to, to sort of see more fans sort of get a bit more educated on the salary cap so that they could understand the reason that these moves were being made. Um, but then on the positive side, it's cool to see like, um, you know, the, the role players on teams get a lot of love, like we were talking about before. And so going back to, it, um, the guys I talked about yesterday, like Tory Craig is another one. Um, mm-hmm. you know, he's a, and he's probably less of a, he's obviously less of a three point shooter than, than Tony Snell, but, there's these, a lot of these like really awesome players out there. And you know, for, for the, the positive fans that, that if these guys came to your team and you like, you know, saw them guarding the opposition's best player, like Tory Craig will do from when he's on the court for 12 or 15 minutes. Like these are cool players to have in your team. Like, you know, exactly. they've got Tory Craig played just down the road from where I live right now. Like he, he played in New Zealand and then he played in Australia and then he got uh, a 10 day contract, uh, a two way uh, and then you got a full roster spot on the Nuggets. Like these are cool stories, and they're they're interesting dudes to follow. It's just like you you just need to some some fans just need to try and see it a little bit more from the positive and and just embrace the um, the cool parts and realize that the guys on the minimum are just as great as the guys that are on the max. They just don't put up the same counting stats. Right. Yeah. I, you know. Every team's not going to be able to be made up like the Nets, you know, not, not, not every team can have three top 15 guys and, you know, have Joe Harris, who's the top three point shooter in the league and have, you know, a a top role player in Jeff Green and, you know, Blake Griffin came out of nowhere. Um, You know, it's not, it's not realistic for every team to be made up like that. Um, And, you know, just kind of going back to what you were saying in regards to the Bucks, people were kind of laughing at the offseason moves that the Bucks made that, you know, they they didn't get any better. You know, people are laughing. Oh, you got Bryn Forbes. Oh, big whoop, you know. Um, yeah. But he, he goes out there and he hits seven threes against the Heat in that one game. Um, guys like that make a difference. Bobby Portis hasn't been playing in this series because I think they're going a little bit smaller. Um, but he was huge in the regular season. He was the the best player for the Bucks in some of these games. Yeah. Um, so yeah, just just like you were saying, not you know, as as nice as it would be and as cool as it would be to have your team look like an All Star team, it's just not it's just not realistic. Um, and at the end of the day, these these role players and these you know these minimum guys, they they really make a difference. Maybe not so much. Um, in the last two minutes of a game seven in the playoffs, but you know, all, all other times they, they really do make a difference and, and make an impact and you need to fill out your roster somehow. So um, yeah, I, I agree wholeheartedly kind of with what you were saying. And uh, it's, that's one thing that I think is really fun. I know some people really just live for these blockbuster trades and, you know, those are awesome. And, and I like those as much as the next person. Um, but I get, I get super excited when I see that, you know, the Bucks signed Bobby Portis or the Bucks signed uh, Bryn Forbes. I think that it's, uh, it's a ton of fun. And it's, uh, it's, it's a, you know, in the off season, it's really as, as much as I like watching basketball, I also love the off season and then following what moves teams have made. Um, Because, you know, I really, I, I, those small moves and, and signing those, you know, those, um, those bench guys, I, I think it's a ton of fun. Yeah, agreed, man. I, I, and like at the end of the day, for the, the the teams that contend, if they're able to make those smart moves, I mean, these are the moves that take you all the way. Um, we we're gonna quickly touch on before we close out, touch on um, potential matchup um, in the conference finals. What 
it, w- it would be simple just to say I'd much rather that the Bucks played um, the Hawks. Do, what what do you think is a more favorable matchup? Do you think it is the Hawks? Um, and like, f- so for me personally, um, I think Joel Embiid can still impact the game. Like probably he's the I think he's the best big left in the playoffs now, um, and I think he can still impact the game at ninety or ninety five percent of what he would normally um and the teams that can play fast like you know would would obviously that would obviously really um impact like i think that the i think that you you guys the bucks match up well with um with philly and i also think that their i think their in-game offense has been absolutely trash like um i i i do like ben simmons as a player um but at the end of games he's sort of standing he's like in the dunker spot while Embiid is posting up on the opposite block and I was sort of like is this you know what I mean is this we're getting to the crunch time right like end of these guys seasons and their offense just doesn't and then Seth Curry is like basically trying to create he's a guy on on the mid-level exception like great player don't get me wrong like he's probably a 20 million a year player but you've got three dudes there that are on the max and then your fourth best player um is trying to create everything at the end of games so I'm not massive i love i love their defense but i'm not a massive fan of their offense especially in the games how do you think the matchup is is for the for the bucks with those two teams and who would you much rather play it's 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 really interesting because i think if you ask um 90 of non-bucks fans they would say oh well i you know i if i were the bucks i'd rather play the hawks um and i i get that but i'm i'm really torn I, you know, I can see an argument being made for, you know, either side. I think that at, at the end of the day, I think that Philly is the better team. Um, but in regards to playing the Bucks, the, the thing that I'm thinking about most is Atlanta has guys, you know, besides Capella, pretty much everybody on that roster can shoot. Um, and we've kind of seen three-point shooting and the guarding of the perimeter as an Achilles heel for the Bucs. Mm. Um, so, you know, when you, you know, as a Bucks fan, you tell me that we have to play um, Trey Young, Bogdanovich, Lou Williams, Herder, John Collins. You know, the, these are the guys that I'm afraid of. I'm not so afraid yeah. as a Bucks fan of Ben Simmons um, because – you know, he he doesn't have much of an offensive game except for, you know, right at the basket. And Brooke Lopez is a really good rim protector. And uh, Giannis is a great help defender who will fly in and, and block a shot at the last second. So um, it, it's it's really it's really difficult for me to say because, you know, I, I understand that the Hawks probably aren't as good of a team as the Sixers. But um, w- when you look at the weaknesses of this Bucks team, mm. it, it I, I think the Hawks would be better equipped to kind of exploit those weaknesses. Yes. Um, so it, it's kind of you know it's kind of a cop out answer for me to just sit here and say, you know, I, I don't I don't really know, but I I really it's it's. It, it's it's hard because, like I said, I think Philly's the better team. But when you're thinking about a matchup, I, you know, I can see Trey Young. I, t- I tweeted a joke about it, but I can see Trey Young, you know, averaging 40 points a game on this drop coverage just by hitting floaters. Um, yeah. So it's, uh, I guess, where I stand is I'm pretty confident that the Bucks are able to beat either team that they would play. Um, yeah. It's just when you think about the matchups, I'm honestly, I'm a little bit more afraid of the Hawks. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's fair, man. Like I was, I was hoping you were going to say that because like, um, yeah, it just, it shows a bit like a bit of like your strong basketball knowledge, you know? And I, and I think that like, that's where if you continue to like watch lots of games and you realize these, um, these matchups and you know a little bit more about the defensive coverages, then, it's cool. You're all, you know, obviously able to educate other fans and, and, and learn a bit more yourself. I think that the Hawks team 
and this is where I love great coaching is um, obviously, um, you know, you never want to see guys fired, but like the, the, the Hawks made an upgrade with their coaching this year. Uh, they brought in Nate McMillan um, and got lots out of this roster. And um, sometimes they play Gallinari at the three. Now I listen to some analytics based podcasts who are talking about Gallinari basically being a five. Now he can't move his feet at all. And mm-hmm. like, like he basically, he, he is a five and can really like, he's not even fast enough to match up with some fours. But what you're seeing is like through smart coaching and, you know, pairing him with a combo at some times and um, the way that they've been able to, to surround Trey Young with talent has meant they've been able to do some things which have been unconventional. And the Hawks have got a ton of guys that can play. Um, you know, you've got John Collins there. And I'd say that there's not a huge amount of, so there's lots of teams that are fun during the regular season. And right. then usually, usually the fun teams don't, don't do well in the playoffs. The Hawks are like a fun team that are still there because right. they've got a bunch of dudes that can shoot it. Um, they've got, you know, a guy out there like Kevin Herter who can do it all. Um, obviously, Trey's amazing. Gallinari. Um, they've, just, they've just got so many dudes. And I think that would be an amazing matchup uh, with the Bucs. Um, and, uh, yeah, I think that the Bucs would probably beat the Sixers in, um, I'd say, in six games. But... The, the Hawks series could, I think it potentially could go either way. Um, yeah. So we're going to close this, um, this pod out now, man. I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to, to jump on. And um, I appreciate the part that you are of, of NBA Twitter. And, um, and yeah, I hope that um, your boy, Tony Snell finds his way to a, to a strong squad. And if that's the Blazers, then I look forward to us doing a bit of a breakdown as well. For sure. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. I always love uh, talking basketball. So this was a lot of fun. And uh, I, I hope, you know, if if Tony Snell doesn't come home and play for the Bucks, um, if I had to to rank teams, I'd like to see him on. I think Blazers would be near the top, if not at the top. So, um, you know, maybe that can work out for both of us. So we'll, we'll see. But uh it's going to be fun. And uh, again, I appreciate you having me on. I always love doing stuff like this. And I, uh, I really like talking basketball. So it was, it was a great time. I appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate you, man. Have a good day.